0: And I was like, I want to teach people about Bitcoin in Spanish. And I try to start Bitcoin in Espanol, mm-hmm. even though I put it on the side burner. Mm-hmm. But I kind of wanted to teach more people like who Satoshi Nakamoto? Like, mm. I feel like that's a basic name people should know, like what, why he did what he did, how he disappeared. Like nobody really knows who he is, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Like, do you have any theories who Satoshi Nakamoto? Is?
1: No, I the best uh, theory that I've heard was that it was a collaboration between Nick Zabo and Hal Finney. And obviously, Hal Finney passed away. And I and I've heard, I've read or heard that the there's the the book of Satoshi, which is all the writings of Satoshi. And when they analyze his writing style, they said it most closely mirrors that of Nick Zabo. But Nick Zabo said, "Look, it's not me." Um, he's got a long history. Like he would definitely be a guy that could have done it. Like not only is he a programmer, but he understands monetary history very deeply. He Has a great blog. If if no one's read it, it's called the Unenumerated Blog. The guy's a genius. Um, he was instrumental in my orange billing. Actually, his his work. That's the best theory I've heard. But nobody really knows. So that's but that's good. That's good for Bitcoin, right? It's good that no one knows and. Therefore, Bitcoin is more decentralized as a result. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the What is Money show. I am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money. Now, if this is your first time listening to the What is Money show, I strongly recommend that you go back to episodes one through nine first which lays a lot of the groundwork for many of the concepts that we explore on the show. These first nine episodes are my series with Michael Saylor, and thousands of people have told me that this is the best podcast series they've ever heard, hands down, and that it was instrumental to their understanding of money and Bitcoin. So if you're looking to start a deep dive into the nature of money, I don't think there's any place better that you can start other than episode one of this show. Now, a little bit about this show and how it makes money. The What Is Money show is 100% sponsor based. So all of our revenues are derived from direct sponsorships. And I strive to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with, specifically only using sponsors that I use personally, and also choosing sponsors that have values, which are well aligned to the values expressed on this show, such as freedom, again that's wolf n y c w o l f n y c dot com isabella santos welcome yeah. to the what is money show
0: thank you for having me thank you for this amazing opportunity yeah
1: it's so nice to have you here um i think we met i don't know a couple of years ago it was either twenty one or twenty two bitcoin conference
0: I think officially the 22.
1: 22, yeah, yeah. And you were, I think you were working with Bitcoin Media at the time, doing some interviews or something like that.
0: Yeah, doing like the street interviews and, you know, trying to get to, well, we I think last year the main question was, how were you orange-pilled? And I wanted to know, because it's kind of curious, I feel like sometimes people get, like, like, we see people in the industry and, we forget where they started from. You know, everybody has so much knowledge and everything that we forget their beginning. So it's kind of cool to bring them back, even though not many people like the term orange pill."
1: Yeah. Oh, I love the term. Really? What's wrong with Some it?
0: Some people say it sounds like when you ask someone like, oh, like, did you just get fucked? They don't like that type uh, of terminology. <laughs> I think Riso told me that. He's like, uh, I don't like orange pilled. It sounds kind of bad. And I was. Can we curse? Yeah, of course. Okay. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. I don't know that you didn't... I thought
1: it was just it was. A, a homage to the Matrix red pill or blue pill thing. and it was like the orange, orange
0: pill. Orange pill. That is very true. See, I didn't think...
1: That's that. what I thought it meant. I didn't think it was anything bad.
0: Me neither. And so he said that and I was like, should I not say orange pill? Should I say how you got into Bitcoin? <laughs>
1: hmm. You should say whatever you want.
0: Exactly. I like that.
1: So maybe we could start there, actually. Because you mentioned you have a very interesting orange pilling. Yes. Um, that may or may not involve... Mr. Alex
0: Vetsky. (laughs) Yes. Be one or lonely Alex Vetsky. So, it was back in 2021. I was working for this startup called Ecom Daily News. I don't even know if they're still running or functioning. And the Bitcoin conference came around. And obviously, if you're an e-commerce company, you would have to be at the Bitcoin conference. Mm -hmm. So, my boyfriend is like, you need to get into there. Go talk to like your boss and see if like he can buy you a ticket. And the ticket was like $400, $500, if you were media. And I went up to him and I was like, hey, like we have to go there. Like we're an e-commerce company, we should cover this. And he was like, I'm not gonna pay that, figure out how to get in. And I was like, oh my gosh, how am I gonna get in for free to the conference? Mm-hmm. So if you're, like I work now for a Bitcoin conference company, so like please don't uh, get mad at me for this. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was, I was like, how do I get in? I'm going to, everybody likes free coffee. So I went to Dunkin' Donuts and I got coffee for like tons of people. And I'm like, everybody's going to be in line waiting to go inside. That'll be like my in. I'll offer the speakers like some free coffee and I'll be able to interview them, you know, schedule an interview or whatever. So I plan out to do like my steak, my session, my free coffee session outside. And then I decide to message all the speakers through DM by Instagram and Twitter. I didn't know t- Bitcoiners were into Twitter, so I was like, "No way, I'm gonna try both because I kept getting blocked from Instagram." So I go all the list. It was like 150 speakers, and I'm like DMing them on Instagram and Twitter for like a full on day, like, "Hey, do you want some free coffee um, in exchange for an interview?" Nobody answered. Only like two people. And they would be like, no, or just leave me on scene until Svetsky goes, I don't like coffee. <laughs> Darn, uh, do you like cupcakes? He's like, I don't like sugar. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, could I just have an interview or something, you know, like to talk about the about Bitcoin and like what it's doing in the e-commerce? And he was like, no, but there's a meetup happening at this place in Brickle. You can come. And I was like okay, perfect. I'll be there, you know, like Mm -hmm. to talk to them or whatever. He's like, you need to download the, uh, what's it called? Telegram and talk to everybody through there because nobody uses WhatsApp. Nobody uses iMessage. Mind (laughs) you, I'm like a newbie. So I'm like, what is all this information? Like, okay. I'm like doing as he says. I go to the meetup. It was supposed to be like at six and I'm sitting there and I see this couple that was also there for the meetup. And I start talking to them and they start talking to me about Bitcoin, how it's like such a like cool community. Like it's not just you invest your money and you're and you leave. They start talking about how it's more like a movement, you know, rather than just a form of money. Obviously, like it's a form of money. Like ideally, it'll be like the perfect money. But the thing was that I didn't realize how big it was. Mm coming from the outside like I didn't think it was that big like I had heard of it like in 2016 but I didn't have no money to invest so I told my parents and they were like no we're not going to do that so I was like okay I forgot about it until I saw how big it was in like 2021 then so I meet Svetsky there and that's when I started meeting everybody from the community how much they all care about this like the safety of everybody they're like realizing what the government is doing and they want to like help everybody else out and that was the day before the conference the next day was a conference and he was like you know what go into a conference with me you'll be like my media person because i had like a plus one and he's like takes me in and showed me the whole world and I was technically orange filled by both, like Alex Vetsky and the Bitcoin conference. Hmm. And ever since then, I remember I went in, and the minute that I like left, like the two three days were done, I went home and I sold all my stocks and put all the money in Bitcoin. That's but it was like when it was really young. high. Yeah. So I'm like, "Chin," but you know what <laughs> it is. What it is.
1: That's part of the learning experience too, right? It's like when to buy Bitcoin, how much to buy, et cetera,
0: et cetera. It's a struggle. Yeah. Like Sometimes when it goes down and you have like, you put all your money, you're like, and it keeps going down and you're like, I want to keep investing more, but you have no more money in your bank account. It's like, when do you stop buying?
1: Yeah. You got to always treat it like a long-term savings account and make sure you have some checking account, right? To survive and get buy on. But yeah, people that if you put too much in too fast you might get overly exposed or overly emotional about it so definitely definitely something we should work on I guess as educators it's like look this isn't you don't just believe in Bitcoin and put everything you've got into it I mean you can if you want but better if you treat it as savings and not as, as checking per se um,
0: but you know I get a lot of hate from that from having all like my money in that I, like it was like my savings mm-hmm. into Bitcoin when people hear that it's insane how they're like oh look at that how much do you have now look at it it's going down and I'm like yo like relax you know like if I forgot about it why are you forgetting about (laughs) it
1: yeah that would be strange that people would be on you about your savings it's like well it's for you to do what you want so so you got orange pilled then by Svetsky plus the Bitcoin conference and then what happened like what was the progression you started eventually working with Bitcoin media or, or how did that play out
0: so at that conference I met Rizzo mm-hmm. and um, I was just like watching like how everything was and like obviously I was, I started getting into Bitcoin like after I put everything in, like all my money in Bitcoin, um, a couple ma- months passed. This was, it was I think April, no June mm-hmm. in 2021. I think it was during June or something or May, I can't remember. And in November of that year, um, I reached out to Rizo because somebody wanted to do some sort of advertising in the Bitcoin magazine. He's like, no, we don't do advertising, but I saw you do some videos. Um, would you like to have an interview for the YouTube um, segment that we just opened? It was with Alex McShane.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and Alex interviewed me. And I had been doing like street interviews, but about seeing how Americans don't know general knowledge. Mm -hmm. Not Americans, like people in the United States. I would interview people randomly on the street. And I remembered when I first joined, like it was 2021, I had no idea what anything about Bitcoin was. So I thought it would be really cool to go out on the street and interview people about what they know about Bitcoin. Like, do they know about Bitcoin? What is Bitcoin? Like that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And he was like i love the idea let's do like a promo video and we'll test it out and that was like the beginning of me working with the bitcoin magazine i started doing the street interviews and realizing how early we still are for bitcoiners even though like it started in 2008 like we're still in 2023 and there's people that think there's millions of bitcoin out there because they think bitcoin it means crypto. Right. They don't realize that Bitcoin was like the first cryptocurrency, like the king of all kings. They think it's more like, oh, it's so volatile. And you start hearing things that they repeat from the media. The media, right. Right. And that's kind of like a science experiment on its own. Yeah. Realizing how we're being controlled by so many people. Like people don't take their time to do their own research they don't take their time to give it an opportunity you know they are just like led by people that don't know too much like they follow their parents footsteps you know like put your money in the bank you have after you put your money in the bank you have to invest it if you want to or buy a house Mm -hmm. and they don't realize that banks are privately owned i was one of them i didn't know banks were privately owned Mm -hmm. i didn't know like the bank's Once you put like, let's say a million dollars in the bank, they are not supposed to have all your money there. Like if you want to take it out, you know, like you have to request, oh, I want to take my money out. And I feel like once I started realizing that not many people know that they're privately owned, Uh like it's an issue because they're like, oh, it's not when I talk about Bitcoin on the street, they're like, oh, Bitcoin's not backed up by anything. But it's like, yo, you're putting the money in your bank. You're putting it to somebody that you don't even know and you think the banks are being backed up by the government.
1: Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of the the repeating of unconscious programs, right? Where you hear people just regurgitating either media headlines that they read or something they heard on the news. Um, And that definitely doesn't work in Bitcoin's favor because there's always the FUD being spread about Bitcoin in mainstream media. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, the Gold Investment Letter. The Gold Investment Letter helps sophisticated investors navigate capital markets and maximize their profits in trading gold, silver, and mining stocks. The Gold Investment Letter seeks out the most undervalued companies and identifies special situations in the mining sector, and then provides in-depth analysis on both their financial positions and future prospects. The Gold Investment Letter explores many complex domains, such as investor psychology, portfolio management, and macroeconomic trends, all with the goal of making you a better investor. The Gold Investment Letter offers a free version and a paid premium version, and I strongly recommend you at least sign up for the free version, because after having read a few of these issues, I can promise you it is a treasure trove of good information. You can sign up for the free newsletter today at goldinvestmentletter.com. Now, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, iCoin Technology. iCoin has just released a sleek new hardware wallet. It looks like a mini iPhone, a little touch screen and camera on it. Uh, the device has no Wi Fi, no cellular connection, no GPS. It's a strictly physically cold hardware wallet. Uh, like I said, it's got a high res three inch touch screen. It's got a camera for air gapping the wallet. Uh, it's got optional Bluetooth compatibility. And it's a really a, a brand new UI, UX experience for a hardware wallet, making it very accessible, easy to use, not intimidating. And as we always talk about on this show, the only way you can truly own your Bitcoin is by having it in self-custody. So you need a device like iCoin Wallet to truly own your Bitcoin. Go to iCoinTechnology.com today and use promo code BITCOIN23 for 30% off of this new sleek hardware wallet. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a Bitcoin-enabled alternative to legacy health insurance. Now let's face it, legacy health insurance is an absolute scam. Nobody can explain this better than the legendary comedian Chris Rock.
2: insurance. you got to have some insurance. you got to, that's an insurance. They shouldn't even call it insurance. They should just call it in case shit. <laughs>
1: So go to joincrowdhealth.com slash breedlove to learn more or sign up. You took a particular angle on, were you doing the, these are like man in the street interviews, I guess. Were you doing these in both English and Spanish? And what where does the Spanish component of, of you doing Bitcoin education come in? Because I know that's something that you were you were focused on for a while.
0: So it started because I was doing the Bitcoin on the street and People would say, like, I would love to answer some questions, but um, in Spanish here in Miami, that's where I I d- conducted most of the interviews. And I thought that was another cool barrier that there's so many Bitcoiners that speak Spanish mm-hmm. that are like, look at El Salvador, you know, like mm-hmm. the first country to be a big like incorporate Bitcoin as their currency. And then I was like, why aren't there that many, like, educational systems? Obviously, like, there are. I'm not trying to, like, throw any hate mm-hmm. to the ones that there. But when I look at it, I see more English-based. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to teach people about Bitcoin in Spanish. And I try to start Bitcoin in Espanol, mm-hmm. even though I put it on the side burner. Mm-hmm. But I kind of wanted to teach more people, like, who's Satoshi Nakamoto? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a basic name people should know. Like, what, why he did what he did, how he disappeared. Like, nobody really knows who he is. You know, right? Like, do you have any theories who Satoshi Nakamoto? No,
1: I. The best uh, theory that I've heard was that it was a collaboration between Nick Zabo and Hal Finney. And obviously, Hal Finney passed away. And I and I've heard I've read or heard that the. There's the the book of Satoshi, which is all the writings of Satoshi. And when they analyze his writing style, they said it most closely mirrors that of Nick Zabo. But Nick Zabo said, "Look, it's not me. Um, he's got a long history. Like he would definitely be a guy that could have done it. Like not only is he a programmer, but he understands monetary history very deeply. He Has a great blog. If if no one's read it, it's called the Unenumerated Blog. The guy's a genius. Um, he was instrumental in my orange billing, actually. His his work." That's the best theory I've heard, but nobody really knows, so that's, but that's good. That's good for Bitcoin, right? It's good that no one knows, and therefore, Bitcoin is more decentralized as a result.
0: I think that's kind of cool. I do think, you know, like, the theory, like, the more the merrier. Like, I feel like to come up with something so perfect, in a way, like, one person couldn't come up with it. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like it had to be, like, a collaboration. And I like the idea that they just like disappeared, like went off the grid. Yeah. And just like, because I feel like sometimes when you see who the creator was, like right now with Adidas, Mm -hmm. like when people start realizing that one of the creator, his name is Adolf or Adolf. He was a Nazi. No hate to Adidas or anything. But once you realize the past of somebody else, like we're all humans, Mm -hmm. you kind of start Looking at the brand differently, you right. start looking. I'm not comparing like Adidas to Bitcoin, but it's like once you see the sure. beliefs of somebody, obviously it influences yeah. the way that you treat that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great point. If you can attach a personal or an individual's identity to a project or to a company or to a brand, anything that that individual does, like, of course, they're going to mess up, they're human. That's all going to tarnish the brand or tarnish the business. So Satoshi disappearing, it's like the most, probably one of the greatest gifts he could have given to Bitcoin. Um, Not only if if he had messed up, but he also could have been targeted by the state, you know, denigrated, whatever. Um, So his disappearance, I think, really kind of cements the mythology of Bitcoin, the creation myth, which is this immaculate, I call it an inception instead of a conception. Well, it's not like it's not like Christ born in a manger but it's this project born out of nowhere from no one um, that's so transformational to the world so it's really interesting
0: but I think it was like I don't think it was like just born out of nowhere I think it was more like a project that started to perfect itself you know throughout the years like it was a common issue that has been happening like in peop- some people were aware of it mm-hmm. so it was like more of like a solution to the problem that they try to do that that's right. in the day and like has more of like evolved into
1: no that, that's a great point so yeah the cypherpunks where he released that he released bitcoin into the cypherpunk mailing list they had been trying to solve this you know separate money from state for a long time they had like 25 years of projects that had they had tried and failed um so it did not come out of nowhere in that sense. Like it was yeah. this, it was the latest attempt in this long series of efforts. But it came out of, I guess, what I meant by come out of nowhere is that who Satoshi, right? This guy just dropped this thing in the middle of a chat room, and boom, you know, it's a half a trillion dollar asset today. So it's kind of it's a very remarkable creation story, and I think that bodes well for for Bitcoin overall. Um, okay, you. So you used to work. You had a TV career yes you worked in i think entertainment you said in spanish in spanish okay uh maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your career and then you said recently you've made a transition inspired by robert kiyosaki
0: yes so the thing is um i had this dream when i was little to become a tv host and life gets in the way whatever so i go into college studying architecture and you know, what? I was like, I always wanted to be a TV host. Why am I not going to pursue that? So I like mentally prepared myself to become a TV host. And I accomplished it. I've been work. I was working in TV for like two years in the entertainment realm. And it got up to a point where everything I was doing the same thing every single day and One, I wasn't contributing too much because I was just talking about famous people. I would literally stock up what famous people were doing, like Bad Bunny, Kendall Jenner, and watch them take their trips. And I would just talk about that. And I was like, okay, this is like very superficial. And during the Bitcoin conference in 2021, I interviewed Robert Kiyosaki. And I interviewed him and I had him read his book. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get his book, Rich Dad, Poor That, and I'm gonna read it and learn more about like how to how I can be like financially like literate. Mm-hmm. So I start reading it and what would impact me so much was how he would talk about how once you start getting a job, you start becoming dependent on that paycheck. Mm-hmm. You start becoming submissive to what he calls the rat race. Mm-hmm. How you expect this paycheck and you start the more paychecks that you get, the more that you're inclined to never quit Mm -hmm. and to never pursue what you want to do. And then I started like tripping out, like I would trip myself out and be like, that is so true. Like we're here for like once in our lives, like why do we have to follow the same format that our parents followed and the parents after that that they were like work a nine to five Mm -hmm. they would do an office work they wouldn't do anything like they didn't have a life I started like I would look forward for my Fridays so I can enjoy Saturday Sunday and then Monday to Friday I would be in this work environment where your bosses are like first of all they're telling you what to do and Mm I hate that you know like same yeah it's so annoying like somebody like yelling at you constantly how you need to like i don't know so i was like you know what um i got into bitcoin whatever so that was always in my mind and then one day i started getting super sick because i was doing many things at once like i started my company with my cousin and then about like social media and content creation and then I had Bitcoin Magazine and then my full-time gig. Mm -hmm. And I ended up getting fever out of nowhere, but I wasn't getting a cold. It was just so much stress. Mm -hmm. And the job that was paying me the least, which was my nine to five, which I was getting like $16 an hour, was making me sick. And I was like, you know what? I prayed a little bit. I had a dream that I quit. So I woke up and you know what? I quit, you know, like. Good for you. And... I quit and it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like the amount of things that you can do in a day while you're stuck in your nine to five. I was like, thank you, Robert Kiyosaki.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that, uh, described as one of the most dangerous addictions humans can have is that monthly or weekly salary. And, um, yeah, you, it's a, it's obviously a much riskier path to go out and try to do it on your own and be entrepreneurial. But I think for most people, once you taste that freedom, like there's, there's no going back. Um, I've often joked to, I mean, that's a large reason why I do this. Uh, I don't, I joke that I'm unemployable, but it's kind of true because I just don't, I don't do well in the, the hierarchical environment. And I've been, you know, have been everywhere in it. I've been ha- low down, I've been midway down, I've been on the top of it. I just don't enjoy it that much. Uh, I, I get very exhausted by the politics, you know? It seems like there's a lot more, especially the larger the organization, it's more politics and less productive work. Exactly. And especially if you don't like the productive work that much, then it's just not not enjoyable, so.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because what I've realized is there's like, I don't know if you've seen the study that shows when you put flies in a jar, Mm. they start trying to escape, Mm. you know, and then you leave them on long enough, like three hours, then they stop trying to escape. You take out the jar and they're literally going in circles in the same jar. right? And that's what schools do. They condition us to listen to somebody. They condition us not to think outside the box, right? you know, they like suppress our creativity. Like when we're in drawing class, they're like, the apple has to be red. I'm like, we know the apple is red or green, but yeah. if we want to paint it purple, like, who are we killing, right. you know? Right, right. Yeah, I feel like it also goes down, like, you know, I feel like more nowadays, it's like a doctor. A doctor just gives you, like, a medicine. They don't go to the root of the problem. They just yeah. put, like, a little Band-Aid on it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that is same as, like, with schools, you know? Like, they want to train us to follow somebody else and listen to other people and not think outside the box because they want to blind us to what's really happening.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Treating this. There's an old saying that says for every thousand hacking at the leaves, there's but one strike at the root. And to just try and treat the symptoms of a thing rather than like really getting to the bottom of it. I think we do that a lot as humans, right? We'd rather just put a band-aid on it or try to forget about it or, or white knuckle through whatever the thing is, rather than like really stopping considering what, what's causing the pain. Um, so yeah, that's, that's interesting stuff. I, um, I think with the entrepreneurship thing too, seems to be a Bitcoiner induced thing. Like most people that get into Bitcoin, one of the first things they want to do is quit their fiat job. It's like, how can I get out of my Fiat job? How can I work in Bitcoin? And often that takes people down very unique entrepreneurial paths. Um, people somehow, something about interacting with Bitcoin makes you want to take the time and discover what you're actually interested in and decide what contribution you want to make to the world, right? How, because ultimately it's our work that we spend most of our lives doing. So if you can find meaningful work, like something that you actually enjoy doing, and then something that creates real value in the world and make money doing it, like that's that—that's the, the, what's the Venn diagram with the icky guy at the middle? It's like the thing you're good at, the thing the world needs, the thing you can make money at. And in the middle is that Japanese term, icky guy. It's amazing. And I think for some reason, Bitcoin seems to inspire people to pursue their icky guy.
0: Because it's a thing, I feel like, people tell us that we can't have everything. You can't have the job that gets you the money and gives you time to be with your family.
2: Mm-hmm. Who said that? Right.
0: You know, it's like stuff that I feel like it's been engraved to us. Like, you need to follow this set of rules. You know, put your money into social security. You know, what is social security? I don't think people are going
1: to- bankrupt. To
0: see that, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's crazy. Like, I feel like ever since- I don't know, I just think everything's so corrupt and people are so blinded by it because they keep putting shiny things so people are not worried about, like, what's going on. I don't know if you read the book, 1984,
1: by... You know, I've never read it, but I'm familiar with it. Oh, you
0: will? And I think that's also one of the... So I read that in school when I was, like, in high school, and it always stuck through me about Big Brothers always watching you Mm -hmm. and how they want to keep the world at war because when they make believe the civilians that they're at war they work for less and they don't ask too many questions Mm -hmm. and they also start making people more stupid Mm -hmm. by eliminating words from the dictionary every year like because they can't make the more like the Instead of trying to educate more, they try to put the smart people down, The not like the smart people, the people that are more like that they're born with a capacity right. or like more of an intellectual knowledge, mm-hmm. they try to suppress them to be at the same level. Yeah. And I think that's something that's going on around.
1: Yeah. This is like the whole quality of outcome thing where you try to create equal outcomes for people, but that... It ignores the natural diversity of skills and experiences and, you know, biological features, all these things that we have, we're all different. And so if you don't embrace our differences in a free market and you try to create equal outcomes, it's, we talk about this a lot on the show. I think the only equal outcome humans can have is in the grave, right? Like we're all going to die one day. That's about the only equal outcome that we have. So if you try to create that equal outcome well, what happens? You get Soviet Russia and hundreds of millions of people dead. Surprise, surprise. And I can't believe we're flirting with those ideas again. You know, this diversity, equity, inclusion, wokeism. It's just the same Marxist stuff, but rebranded. And hopefully Bitcoin is, and Bitcoiners are helping awaken people to that because it's a very, very dangerous thing to be flirting with. But on a brighter note... We are in Miami right before the Bitcoin Conference 2023, which starts in two days. Um, what are you doing at the conference this year? Like what what are your plans? Are you attending? Are you doing any media stuff?
0: Of course. Once I joined the Bitcoin conference, I haven't missed one since. And we're gonna do the street interview style questions, but backstage and also interview the people that are attending at the Bitcoin conference to see like what they're more hyped about like how do they like it this year I feel like every year has had its like its own little like different mm-hmm. um encanto I don't know how to say encanto in
2: mm-hmm. English
0: but it's like uh like it's charisma I don't know like mm. charming
1: its own its like, own charming. vibe
0: like yeah its yeah. own vibe like cool vibe yeah. every year has been different yeah. but it's in, in its own way and this year we're Actually, like, my main goal is to try to interview the president... Well, not the president, the guy that's running for President Kennedy.
1: Oh, RFK. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: I'm like, that's my main goal. So, please, help me interview him.
1: <laughs> help me, too. I would yeah, like to interview RFK as well.
0: Like, we can literally get <laughs> We,
1: we, we can flank him from two sides. Exactly.
0: He'll yeah. have nowhere to run. It'll be like the Spider-Man, like...
1: <laughs> so funny. Are you doing... You mentioned... um some tiktok live streams you started doing are you going to be doing that at the conference too
0: yes we're going to have the tiktok live stream um it's an all girls live stream i know bitcoin is an industry that's mostly for the guys like it's more male dominant and we realized that was like we noticed not many women have their own space because it's not like they're afraid to talk but i've seen some of the comments when we're doing the live stream like girls don't know anything about bitcoin or girls like all this stuff Mm. so we were like let's do it in tiktok everybody does it in twitter why don't we do our own little platform so um sophie from simply bitcoin and andrea from bitcoin magazine and i decided to do the tiktok lives where we choose like a topic and we just give our personal opinion and this time we're gonna try to do one the three of us live because andrea lives in la and sophie lives here in miami but we try to do it like mm. so it looks the same so we do it virtually so this year hopefully it's in person and live and also where you can see what's happening in the bitcoin conference if you don't have a ticket
1: that's cool how it works and people find that the live stream
0: in tiktok so they download the app And they can either follow Bitcoin Magazine or at The Real Bitcoin Magazine. And at Simply Bitcoin, I don't know their handle. And then it pops up like a little, like Twitter.
1: Like a live stream.
0: Like a live stream. Puts like the little circle in red. It says live. And then you click it and watch.
1: Oh, cool. Well, (laughs) it sounds like kind of a unique media format. So I hope that takes off. We need more... I don't know much about TikTok, but I'm just guessing we need more Bitcoin on TikTok because what we I do, what I have seen of TikTok is like a lot of dancing and silly videos. But-,
0: but once you get off that site, like once you, I feel like TikTok obviously like alters to what you like most. Right, right. So once you start watching it, I'll start reading your patterns, yeah. which is kind of funny, but yeah. It knows what you like, and it throws content that's related to what you mostly enjoy watching. And you start realizing that, yeah, there's a little community of Bitcoiners in TikTok. Not that big, mm-hmm. but there's little. Obviously, you have also the haters like that don't like Bitcoin. But still, mm-hmm. I feel like we can dominate the TikTok industry eventually.
1: <laughs> nice. Well, I wish you luck on that. Now, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Wasabi Wallet. With Wasabi Wallet, you can receive, send, and store Bitcoin privately. In Wasabi Wallet, your transaction history and wallet balance are completely hidden. Wasabi Wallet is easy to use, all of its privacy features are built in by default, and it works with any amount of Bitcoin. Wasabi users can make CoinJoin transactions together with BTC Pay Server users or Trezor Suite users. For BTC Pay server users, they can make payments directly inside of a CoinJoin. And for Trezor Suite users, you can make CoinJoins directly on a hardware wallet. These features result in the fee savings and security improvements for both sets of users. So go to wasabiwallet.io today to download the state of the art Bitcoin privacy wallet. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Casa. Casa makes it simple to buy and secure your Bitcoin without wondering whether you're doing it right. Specifically, Casa provides a multi key custody solution, which is by far the most secure way to custody your Bitcoin. Now, when I talk about Bitcoin being theft proof money or inviolable private property, a multi key custody model is exactly what I am talking about. Using multiple keys lets you maintain full control of your Bitcoin while also giving you redundancy in case you lose one of the keys. It's also the best way to secure your Bitcoin for inheritance planning purposes. So go to keys.casa, that's C-A-S-A, today to sign up and use discount code BREEDLOVE. Um, you mentioned you've done started doing some Bitcoin art too. What kind of Bitcoin art are you doing and where are you taking that project?
0: So that project, started um last year um I was like, you know what why don't I make a Bitcoin you know painting? I like to draw cartoons mm-hmm. so I did Mr. Scrooge, but instead of having money, um I did him holding a Bitcoin and then I started getting like trying to incorporate more like Bitcoin stuff and I started burning like dollars and everything and putting it around you know, like to symbolize how if Mr. Scrooge is into Bitcoin. Everybody should be into Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing like more like 3D. I have to show you, show it to you. I don't know if I can get up and grab my phone.
1: Yeah. uh, Or later. Yeah, let's just describe, but you were describing it well earlier too.
0: Yeah, the 3D. So I had done 3D art before where I have the painting and I do like with cigarettes, cigars, and it smokes with you. Mm. So the painting can smoke when you're, having your cigar with your friends, you light it up and it lights up with you so you don't have to smoke alone ever. And then I started incorporating it with Bitcoin as well. And this year I'm creating Mr. Scrooge but as Satoshi Nakamoto. Mm. Because since since we don't know who he is, I was like, that'd be funny.
1: Interesting. (laughs) So you're actually lighting the cigar on the painting? Like the cigar protrudes from the painting and you light the thing? Yeah. Wow. Wow.
0: But it's like a big, it's not like an actual cigar. It's like I create the cigar. Yeah. And then like I put it in the painting. Sometimes it holds it. Sometimes it smokes it.
1: Oh, that's super cool. And what other kind of art, this, you're going to keep doing that kind of style?
0: Well, I like the 3D art because I was like, everybody like has their own style that, I don't know, I feel like, especially nowadays everything is overused and everything Mm -hmm. like everybody does mostly the same thing so i was like what is different you know like what can i do that people would be like what this is weird obviously i'm not saying my art is perfect like it's far from perfect but it's different so you look at it and you're like what that's funky you know because i feel like everybody tries to make art perfect right and once you're painting it'll never be perfect so i feel like you know what. Might as well, you know, light it up, take a chill.
1: You yeah. Know. <laughs> that sounds cool. I've never seen anything like that. I'd love to see it sometime. Um okay, cool. One last question I'll let you get out of here. What are you when you are now trying to orange pill people, someone that has now been orange pilled, do you have like a short elevator pitch for Bitcoin or how what is the most general if you're just approaching the man on the street or whoever it is, and you want to take them from zero to knowledge of Bitcoin, how do you approach them?
0: That is actually, I don't know if I've orange-pilled someone. Mm-hmm. I would lie to you if I told you that I have. I wish I have, But the thing is, um, the people that I hang out and I talk to mostly about, they read the news and they think it's so volatile like that's Mm -hmm. the one word that comes and my method I don't I know you said to do an elevator pitch but I can't do no no
1: I'm just asking if you don't have one that's fine
0: no I tend to do it like slowly I feel like mostly like the frog experiment you know Mm -hmm. when you put in a frog in hot water it jumps Mm -hmm. but if you slowly start turning the water hot Mm -hmm. it's gonna stay there yeah so I Try to do that. Like I try to teach them slowly. Like make it seem like they found the answer rather than me giving it to them. Mm. Because I've noticed a lot of people in the Bitcoin industry, they're very passionate about it. Mm-hmm. So when they, someone's passionate about it, they have so many feelings towards it. Mm-hmm. And some people just are like, "Yo, what are
1: she- polarizing?" Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you're yeah. like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know what the feds do. You know. So I kind of, it's mostly like sending them like the list of books to read. Like first, like super chill about like the fiat standard, like know where money came from. You know, it has nothing to do with Bitcoin, but it's like understand, you know, all the background behind it. And then once you realize what's going on around you, I feel like they'll slowly start to realize like, oh, Bitcoin is the answer. Yeah. But I've made people buy it. I don't know if they're not as crazy as me that that they sold everything and they put it into Bitcoin, but you know, $10 a week is perfectly fine.
1: Yeah. And you read those, you read the Bitcoin standard and the fiat standard and all that.
0: I read like half of them. I don't yeah. know why I cannot get past half of them. Like same <laughs> with like the rich that poor dad. I go to the middle and then I drop it is that uh, they feel a lot like textbooks. So you have to like put them in audiobooks. Oh,
1: uh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I do i try to read multiple books at a time kind of yes, for that reason
0: because you get
1: because sight- you get bored of one you don't want to stop reading actually the key is to keep reading so if you need to switch books to keep reading i think that's the trick but the trade-off is i end up reading like seven books at a time which is a little confusing sometimes so uh, what's your
0: elevator pitch
1: cool oh, always try to curate it for the audience but If I just have to give someone the 30 second elevator pitch, I kind of have two, I guess. One would be Bitcoin is basically an insurance policy on central banking or fiat currency. So the more money that is printed in the world, the more valuable that insurance policy becomes. Um, And kind of a related second one is if you just, goods insert, okay, let's say it like this money is something we use to acquire goods and services goods and services require work to produce Mm -hmm. if you have a money that doesn't require work to produce then that's money that's bad money it's money that's going to be used to steal from you so if you're holding a bunch of dollars or fiat currency then someone else can print them and you can't they can use that to buy goods and services and inflate prices on you so I can get into like the evils of money printing if someone will, if they, because a lot of people understand that, that don't understand Bitcoin. They're like, yeah, printing money's bad. I understand that. If you, if they know that much, then you could just say, okay, Bitcoin is money you can't print. So like, that's pretty simple. But if they don't understand the money printing thing, I'll try to go with the insurance policy analogy. And it's like the next time you hear them, you know, increasing the debt ceiling or quantitative easing or any of these other euphemisms for printing money, just know that insurance policy is going to become more and more valuable. And it's, you know, pretty directionally true.
0: What clicked for Bitcoin? Like, what was that moment that you were like... "I?" Understand? For me? Yeah.
1: Oh, man. Um, the Bitcoin Standard, I think, it was the final piece of the puzzle for me. I read that when it came out. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when I knew Bitcoin was the answer to central banking. And I had read The Creature from Jekyll Island years before. So, like, put those two pieces of the puzzle together for me. But what really made me so deeply convicted in Bitcoin is understanding it through the lens of game theory. It's like this thing is just an economic phenomenon that pays people for it to succeed, essentially. Right? Like it's paying miners, it's basically paying developers. Ever as a holder you become an evangelist for it. So it's it's this strange nexus or vortex of positive incentives that no one knows how to turn off and it rewards everyone that that is involved or contributes with it. So when you look at it like that, it's like, okay, Bitcoin bends everyone that it touches to its own will in a way, right? It's like, it's paying you to make it succeed. So like, how do you stop something that pays everyone to make it succeed? And that seems like pretty bewildering to me. I don't know how you can stop that. Even if you are governments nation states central banks and you've got all the power in the world it's like you're fighting the collective self-interest of everyone that will ever be so it's not i don't think you're going to win that battle and um maybe i'm right maybe i'm wrong but for me that gives me really deep conviction
0: and so i have this funny question for you you know how we're approaching pizza day yeah have you put bitcoin into circulation like you as robert breedlove have you have spent- i spent yeah
1: yes i have uh does it hurt or well you know what maybe that's kind of a, a trick answer actually because i do like i'll pay some people that i work with if they want to be paid in bitcoin i'll pay them in bitcoin um typically that's it i don't usually buy things i don't like buy goods and services and well services in this case but not goods mm-hmm. i don't go shopping with my bitcoin But I'm also buying so much Bitcoin every day that it more than outweighs what I'm spending. So I I guess I'm always a net buyer. So I'm not ever really a net seller. Um,
0: Have you thought about... So it doesn't
1: hurt that much because I'm still a net buyer.
0: And have you ever thought about when you're like, okay, once it reaches this price, I'll start spending my Bitcoin. Do you have that? Have you ever thought about that or no?
1: Not not a lot, you know. I'm trying to, I try to just stay profitable myself. So I I generate income. I spend less than I earn, and then I put the excess into Bitcoin. So that provides for all of my con- needs to consume, really. And then I'm accumulating savings as well. But I don't. I would like to just keep it forever, you know, and give it give it to the kids, kind of thing. But who knows, you know, life changes and you want different things. Maybe one day I'll want to buy something gigantic. I don't know. So, but for now it feels good to just like be always working, always making money, always stacking sats. And then, you know, lowering your time preference, just, um, having a lot of liquidity and optionality for the future is, is a good feeling. It gives you a lot of a feeling of freedom, I guess. So, Thanks. Well, I appreciate you turning the tables on me in this interview here, but um, thank you for coming out, Isabella. Thank
0: you for having me. This is my first interview. Hopefully, I didn't like did like did super bad.
1: No, no, this is great. This is really great. Um, I'm excited for the Bitcoin conference, so it'll be nice to see you there. Where can people find you on the internet?
0: In the internet, um, Instagram or Twitter or both.
1: Whatever you like.
0: So in my Twitter it is Isabella SG3 and my Instagram is Isabela Santos TV.
1: <laughs> All right. We will link to that in the show notes. Thank Isabella, you. thank you so much. Thank you. All right.